Are you ready to take your life to the next level? Join your host, Samuel Sullivan Eighth, on the Level Up Podcast so you can design a life worth living, achieve what you want, create balance, and find fulfillment. You know there's more to life, so dial in and level up. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the show, Level Up Podcast, Life by Design. Uh, today we have a really special guest, John Paul Klusik, a uh, good friend of mine. We've known each other for a few years now. We've lived together. We've vibed together. We've shared memories together. And here we are creating a podcast together. It's good to have you here on the show, JP. How you doing, man? Good. I'm doing pretty good, Sammy. Uh, thank you for having me here. Pretty excited. We've been talking about this for a long time, so it's good to finally uh, get this going and have some good conversations here. Absolutely pumped, you know. So, uh, for those of you that don't know who JP is, JP, he is a uh, what I would like to describe as the most classy barbarian you could possibly meet. And the reason for that is that he lives life on the wild side, but has this authenticity and genuine appreciation for life and other people that just absolutely blows my mind away. It's admirable something I appreciate and love about you, man. So today's show is really going to be about how to live on the wild side of masculinity since you are a man that really embodies what that means. And so, I mean, for us to really kick us off, like tell us about yourself and, uh, and who you are and, you know, yeah, just start there. Well, high praise coming from a, coming from the man himself. But, um, so I am currently right now a senior uh, at Avonbury University, um, about to graduate in a month. Very excited for that. Uh, I have been, for the past couple years of my life, on what I kind of consider to be my, I guess you could call my version of the Odyssey. <laughs> um, it's, you know, it's been something that I have been working on to develop myself as a, not just a man, but as a human being. Um, a lot of people get that through their college experience, but for me, I kind of outsource that into other experiences. Um, kind of the biggest one, it's kind of the trigger trigger point probably for a lot of this manliness talk has been my expeditions into Alaska fishing. Uh, it's been a big part of my life. And um, yeah, I think that's really where I have come to terms with what it means to be a man and how to uh, express that. So you've been on... So you've gone fishing two seasons in a row now, correct? Yep, and I'm hoping to get on for my third uh, this upcoming summer. And so, like, what was it like the first day that you showed up, the first season that you were fishing? Terrifying, uh, larger than life. The way I describe it in uh, the most basic terms, it felt like a movie. And it was very surreal. What was, uh, so, you know, you, you show up, it's frightening. Like, how did you overcome that fear? How did you rise to the occasion? Um, you know, it's, it's kind of interesting cause it's almost, it's not necessarily a fright of like, not your typical fear. It's more of a overwhelming sense that you are, you're the bottom of the totem pole and you have something to prove. And if you don't prove it, then you just, Pretty much, you know, there's a lot of pressure on you. Uh, for me personally, what I felt was a lot of pressure on the people back home who I said, hey, I'm going to do this thing. And they're all telling me, you're crazy. You're, you know, you're an idiot. Like that was the biggest kind of pressure and fear, because when you actually get out there, then you think, 
my God, I was, you know, I am an idiot. Uh, I, you know, what, what am I doing here? <laughs> um, and that kind of just comes from the divide of the worlds. Uh, it's, it's a very different world out there, but uh, I think it's important to, especially for, for men, to put yourself in, in an environment like that, an environment that's totally alien to what you are normally uh, involved in. Yeah, like it's putting yourself in this unknown, this like this chaos, this world that's like completely different, changes your perspective. Yeah, you know, you're kind of standing, um, you're standing at this, this just portal and you're looking in when you first get there and you, you know, your past life, right? You know, your comforts of your home, you know, your how things work on what we call the, the continental 48. <laughs> but, uh, and you're looking into this window of what, what is going on here? Who are these people? How do they live their lives? How do they operate? And what is it going to take for me to be able to just operate on a minimal level in this society, but also operate, you know, I, I don't want the minimal. I, I want to be the best that I can be. And I believe that's much better than the minimal. So you say by minimal, like what was the daily life like as a fisherman in Alaska, you know, during these, uh, you know, the, the, the hots of season and, and ringing in some <laughs> big old sand. <laughs> um, so, you know, typical day, uh, it's true. A lot, you know, a lot of people might hear the stories. It's like, okay, I don't do deadliest catch work. I'm not a crabber, but the hours are similar. Um, you know, we're working 16 hour days, definitely more relaxed kind of, uh, work, but it's, you know, it's long and that that's mentally taxing, but at the same time, there's, uh, there's a lot of camaraderie almost. Uh, I played football through high school and I played rugby in, in college for a couple of years here. And there's definitely this bond that you create with your crewmates. And if you're lucky enough, um, with your captain, with your skipper, some captains, and that's part of the fear factor. Some captains are just total assholes. Other captains, you know, can be just whatever, it's kind of like a regular boss, but it's more extreme because you're now living with your boss in a 20 square foot space <laughs> for four months. And he's pretty much got total complete authority over what happens. So you don't want to get in his bad side. Um, but yeah, that's, you know, it's kind of the average day is you just, you wake up and you work all day long and you know that you have to work all day long. And when that becomes the routine, you stop caring. Uh, especially, you know, once you're in one month, two months, you just realize, hey, this is what's happening and there's no getting out of it unless I quit. So how long was the, fir the first time you went? How long was your, your fisherman season? First time I uh, got there May 26th and I left September 14th. So I guess four months about. Um, and the experience is you are at port with service and you know you have wi-fi service <laughs> that's like the biggest boon that you can get out there um but for the majority of the time you're actually out at sea and you do not have contact with the world so those four months can feel uh it's it's very interesting how they can feel much much longer than uh than just four months but at the same time they can also feel much shorter because when, when I was, as I was saying, when you get into that monotony of just every day doing the same exact thing, that routine, time just kind of starts to not matter anymore in a way that I have not experienced elsewhere. Um, I almost feel like it's being completely focused on the present. Yeah. Because oh, you don't yeah. have any distractions around you. You have your work 
you have your craft and you have the people around you to create mm-hmm. memories and bond with. Yeah, there is there's no there's nothing that pulls you out of it. You know, you'll have thoughts about, oh, I wonder what's going on back home, but uh, it's not it's it's nothing there's nothing nagging at you at the back of your mind saying, "Hey, pay attention to this instead." And that is part of the beautiful uh, you know, part of the beauty of that experience. So 4 months completely isolated from your home life really no con- connection with the out with the, the regular world you know uh you're on a boat with a bunch of sweaty greasy bearded men <laughs> and you're one of them <laughs> and uh what were the lessons learned you know like like how did you evolve as a man when you came back i mean you were a different person like you and i both knew that right from the beginning like, when I, I was like holy shit this guy is on fire this guy knows like who he is there was like a level of confidence added like what do you feel contributed to that so, you know, I, th- I think you're right. And um, I noticed a change in myself, but there is something really, uh, it, it is really beautiful to see when other people notice that change and they tell you and they let you know. I think one of the most valuable things that I learned from that was uncertainty and unknowns have to be embraced. Uh, that's a big problem that I see in society, especially in men. Um, it's kind of the, there's a fear of uncertainty in commitment, especially because once you commit to something, you're uncertain of where that might lead, but you're also uncertain of what other commitments you might've missed out on. And I pretty much learned that embrace the uncertainty and kind of love it. Uh, I have had a lot of other situations, which hopefully we'll be able to get into that. I kind of embrace that same mentality of just picking something, rolling with it, no matter, you know, just, just rolling the dice and just seeing, Hey, where is this going to lead me? Where is this going to take me? Uh, and that has, that has been extremely valuable to me. It's like having an adventure. Yeah. And, you know? and it's, it's having an adventure, but a lot of people want, it's almost like they want to have this video game mentality of like, they know the general storyline, you know, they watched, they watch star Wars and they know when they play, you know, the star Wars video game, exactly what's going to happen. And, they want that for their life, but they don't realize that you don't you don't get that experience if you know what's what's coming around the bend. You have yeah. to have the uncertainty because well, you can't adapt. You can't grow exactly. with certainty, certainty, security, comfort. You know they're all synonymous. You get stuck in your way of life, which can be very cookie cutter. And I think a lot of the problems with masculinity now is like there's no right to initiation into manhood. Mm, that yes, that's that's definitely true. Um, you know, comfort and security are not bad in themselves, but it becomes a problem when comfort and security are uh, tethering you. And, you know, there's kind of there kind of has to be a balance because you create your own comfort and security. You know, I created my own comfort and security out in the boat. Um, some of the things that I did to, to create security was just be organized. It's definitely some guys on my boat were not organized, but for me, I needed that security of just saying, this is where my stuff is. You know, I, I'm going to have my clean clothes over here, my dirty clothes over here. That provided a sense of security for me. But um, yeah, well, that's structure. And that's what like, so, uh, you know, you and I are big fans of Jordan Peterson. Mm-hmm. And Jordan Peterson's opinion on uh, security is, is one of my favorites. He doesn't necessarily use the word security. He uses order. And so he, he, he actually breaks down the yin-yang symbol. So one half of the yin-yang symbol represents order in the world, structure, 
um, industrialism. It's it's very masculine in that way. Um, that is a masculine thing. You think about the military. You think about football teams. Very very structured. Then the other side of the yin yang symbol represents chaos. So the unknown, uh, the adventurous part of life. This is where growth happens. This is where you learn to think on your feet and think critically. Um, and then there's that line that separates in a between, and he believes that a life of purpose, a life of harmony and fulfillment is found where you have one foot on each side of that line and you're mm. walking down that life and that's where you find that balance. So yeah, like security in and of itself is not a bad thing. It's when it, it's like when the extreme of it takes over, now you have a, an overcompensation, which is going to like lack some sort of part in your psyche and it's the same thing like when we look at politically like the extremes of both sides is what's causing the problems mm -hmm. you know yeah it's oh it's, yeah that's with anything it's the people that go extreme into their workouts that they don't have like they're meatheads like i know a lot of guys like this they and it's like it's impressive the work that they've done into the gym but then like they're so emotionally damaged that any girl they talk to or they even slightly get remotely close to it completely falls apart yeah and you know yeah there's no balance go on. it's it's it is important too because you know I can sit here and I can say you have to embrace the uncertainty and to someone that might sound like okay well I'm just going to start doing things according to this wild chaotic decision making process and it's no you know there's there there is that balance that balance is really important and it's almost like the way that I look at things now I guess going back to that that lesson that I learned about manhood is part of being a man is going out and you know maybe this is just part of being a human being in general but I, I really do think it speaks to men is going out into that chaotic wild situation that uncertainty and and harnessing your control over it not to be controlling but to establish that i i am able to find a modicum of control out here where i i'm able to overcome these crazy you know ups and downs and these wild moments where I am secure in myself and I know how to act in myself. No, I love that, man. And it's like, so, you know, so fishing happened the first season. Then you went back the second season with a lot of confidence. Like you felt competent in your abilities. One, your skipper gave you words of encouragement. Um, you obviously like <laughs> learned the trade a little bit. So how is it, how is it different? Well, first off, let's go here. How is it different kind of coming back to life where everyone was go, go, go and trapped into their own insecurities and focused on the fear of missing out and social media? So I, uh, I had a very fortunate experience. I was able to um, fish for two different skippers because my first skipper, uh, we had to hang the season up early because he got sick. And so I went with a, a second guy and he was a poet. And he, he was a poet fisherman, really cool guy. But he wrote this, he wrote a lot of poems and I would read them when I was, uh, had some downtime. And one of them was about, it was called uh, The Fisherman's Transition. And I remember reading it and thinking, oh, this seems like a silly concept. But the poem essentially goes through how hard it is to go back to ordinary life, not because the, you know, the actual material things are different, but kind of because the, almost like the ethereal idea of society is so much different when you're looking at this raw nature versus this kind of contrived society that we live in. And it was really hard to uh, go back to school with a lot of people, you know, great people. I love my classmates. I love my friends back at school, but their orientation in life at that moment was so different than mine and seeing, wow, I, I was exactly there. And it's not that there were things wrong with their orientation, but maybe that they just, we're kind of stuck in it. 
um, and that they were stuck in these ideas of, you know, there's nothing wrong with wanting to get a good job, but it's kind of feeling that need and that like that kind of crushing need to this is what I have to do and it's the only way. Uh, and you know, they're not just jobs. There's so many things that I saw in people where it was like, oh wow, these people really are. Um, it almost feels like trapped in this mindset that they have to do this. Um, and that's unfortunately it's kind of it's hard to get out of that unless you get out of that you know that's it's you have to actually get out of your situation in order to see the situation that you were in if that makes any sense yeah so you so you went you fished you came back and then you were nuts enough to go do it again <laughs> yeah so how was it how was it different the second time around well, you know, uh, you said uh, you're talking like, oh, I had confidence. I, oh, I sure as hell had confidence. Um, whether I had the skill to back it up or not is a is another question. My skipper, uh, he he termed the coin probably many years before me, but one year wonders. It's called the guys who uh, they come back after a season. They think they know it all. And it's, you know, he calls it one year wonder syndrome. And I definitely had one year wonder syndrome. Um, I kind of thought I was hot shit. You know, the, they, I got a reputation for myself out there. Uh, they called me the Florida kid. And cause I was, I was known, you know, I had long hair and the big bushy beard and I would, I would always fish with my shirt off rain or shine or didn't matter. So I'm thinking, all right, I'm the Florida kid, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm the, I'm the cool guy on the dock. And, uh, you know, I, I really had some issues. I, I started to do really poorly. Um, I'm a skiff man, which is kind of more of a, uh, technical side of fishing it's not as intensive on the physical labor side but you're piloting your own uh skiff and so you really have to pay attention to the things like current and and waves and how the fish are moving and i i really got in my head and i started to do really poorly and my skipper um you know he he was amazing at at showing me that i really had this huge ego and that it was worthless and that I was doing everything wrong and he didn't do it in a way that that destroyed me um you know I, I took it hard I think but he did it in a way that was like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna help you out until you realize that you need help until you realize that no you aren't you aren't this hot Florida kid you're just the one-year wonder and you still have so much to learn from me and to learn about this and it was kind of this midway season I actually remember you know th there's a lot of psychological pressures out there when you're kind of separated from everybody and um I broke down crying one day uh because I just I had messed something up so bad and, and when you're when you're talking mess ups out there you know it's like two thousand dollars that that I just saw like kind of swim by me and you know your 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 crew members and your skipper they get upset at things like that because that's money you know that's why you're there and from that point on I kind of realized I need to rethink the way that I'm doing this and I finished that summer even more confident because I had that confidence. Some of it was real, but some of, but a lot of it was false. And so breaking down that false confidence and building, getting back to that foundation of the real and building more real confidence on top of that, uh, that was really what that second summer did for me. Um, and uh, again, I want, I want to get into the kind of the next thing that I jumped off of after that, but that, that real confidence that enabled me to succeed this past year so much better than I did the first year after I got back from yeah, fishing. Yeah, well, let, let, let's break that down. So I've heard of this concept, like there's three levels of confidence. So we have surface level confidence. And a lot of that, like you, you kind of mentioned, like it's this fake confidence. It happens because of social validation. You, you know, it, it's easy. Well, 
put your chin up and put your chest out and, and speak deeply and you'll appear confident to people and you will. Um, but the moment you're challenged, the moment that you're in the face of adversity, that confidence doesn't have any sort of backing. It doesn't really help you, you know, take a step further, uh, st- take a step forward. And then there's a second level of confidence, which comes from building competence. So it's the confidence in your skills. So at this point, you've realized you had some natural ability, you had some skill, it was challenged. And then you had to build that back up so you got better in that skill set. Um, and, and we all have ways that we're confident in what we do. And so that's the second level of confidence and that's a lot sh- sturdier than the surface level of confidence. And then there's the third level confidence, which is this inner confidence, this deep-rooted spiritual confidence within yourself. And one of the best examples that I can think of, someone who exemplifies this, is uh, Viktor Frankl. So, A Man's Search for Meaning. Have you read yeah, the- Yes, yeah, you're familiar. Yeah. Uh, for those that don't know, Viktor Frankl um, was a Jewish psychologist. And he was you know, put into concentration camps. And after years and years, family being you know, murdered, he ended up escaping came to America, wrote books about it, and it's he's probably one of the best-selling authors in terms of uh, the Holocaust, but it's a must-read for anyone that wants to understand the spiritual side of confidence, how to uh, develop a mindset where, in the face of like the darkest parts of humanity, how you can rise out of that with a mindset that's, that's, that serves you and the people around you. And, and that kind of confidence where you're first, he talks about in the book, first day you get to the camp, shaving your head, ripping your clothes off, taking your shoes, taking your doctorate degree, taking your rings, your jewelry, everything that you own that builds your identity is stripped from you to where you're naked and that's all you have. And inner confidence, like the truest, purest form of confidence, the strongest confidence is when you can be butt naked with nothing around you, nothing to hold onto and to grip onto for security and you can still say, I am valuable, and I know what I bring to this world. Hmm. Yeah, that, I mean, that, you know that's something that's. Uh, Could you imagine having to go through something like that? No, I can't. No, it's I, crazy. I cannot imagine. Fishing's that. hard, but yeah, no, and and it's uh, you know. That third level of confidence is something that I I, I am sure I don't have yet. Um, but it's it's kind of all right. I'm okay with that. Uh, you know, Sammy and I actually for the for the listeners, we were talking about this earlier where. We were kind of just chit-chatting before we, we started this, and we were saying that, you know, your 20s are kind of, you start to, to come to know who you are, and it's not until at the end of that period where you're really set in your ways and you understand this is, this is who I am. And so I know that I have a lot, uh, a lot more to go. But like I said at the beginning, this is these past few years and, and, and these next couple of years have kind of been my odyssey. And, and what I mean by that is it's, this is my journey to kind of, you know, that, that home in myself where I feel confident, but through that journey, there's trials that I need to go through and and I need to build that confidence. That confidence doesn't come from anyone but myself and from the experiences that I, I go through myself and put myself through. Uh, and that, and that's an important, um, important concept is that you have to put yourself through things. Yes. You may be tried without, uh, without actually kind of subscribing to that that trial but in the long run the greatest trials are the ones that we face and you know that's kind of like the almost the rite of passage that you choose to do that rite of passage because you want to be a man in that society right you want to be considered one of the men of the tribe so you choose to face that and by choosing to face it and overcoming it 
you've proven to yourself uh, that, that you can. There's actually, um, before I went fishing, I had read, you know, I knew I was going fishing, so I was like, oh, I'll read The Old Man and the Sea. And this quote has stuck with me, and I've, uh, I've often thought about it, but it, it goes like this. Um, the thousand times that he had proved it meant nothing. Now he was proving it again. Each time was a new time, and he never thought about the past when he was doing it. And that, that quote speaks to me as you, you need to continually put yourself in situations the thousand times over that you prove yourself because by, by putting yourself in that situation and by proving yourself that you can do it, you are building up this confidence and you're giving yourself this, this validation that says, all right, I, I know how to overcome obstacles and I am a, the type of person who is not going to shy away from that. Tom Brady. <laughs> yeah, Tom Brady. <laughs> of, course, of course, you bring so Tom Brady I, I into this. To, you know, everyone knows I'm a diehard Bucks fan. Every chance I get, and so, uh, so you mentioned after the second time you came back home, and instead of just going from one extreme to the other, you kind of adapted these lessons that were like even stronger, more cemented into who you are, and then they served you through that year. Like, what did that look like? Well, I fell in love. <laughs> uh, yeah, tell us the story. Tell so us the story I, I'm, I might be, you know, I might be the craziest person, but I actually fell in love with my crewmate's sister, uh, much to his uh, great frustration at first. But um, we had kind of talked a little bit over the summer as a joke. Uh, he, you know, his sister, my girlfriend now, is very gorgeous, and so I had seen a picture of her on Instagram. And I decided to DM her as a joke, kind of, kind of to trigger him also, because I thought, hey, this is a cute girl. Um, you know, let me shoot my shot. And uh, so we we started chatting a little bit. And after I got back from the summer, you know, there was something I had talked to girls, and you know, obviously tried to put the charm on and tried to impress them. But there, but I had noticed something when I was talking to um, my girlfriend now, Ailish, that I. I was confident, but I wasn't putting on airs. It was again this this confidence that I had built up, that um, that I felt like I deserved, and that I you know I felt like I it was truly and authentically myself. And so talking to her, who she is a very confident person, it, it was so easy, and there was no doubt, no hesitation. And so you know, things progressed pretty quickly just over the phone, FaceTiming, and you know before we knew it. Uh, we had said, Hey, we, you know, I, I kind of, she kind of hinted like, Oh yeah. So what's this? You're just going to call me. And I was like, all right, no, come down to Florida. And I actually, we, I bought a ticket for her to come down to Florida. And, uh, that was a month in advance. Two weeks went by and I was like, you know what? Screw this. I got to go see her. So I bought a ticket. She didn't even know I showed up on her. I had texted her roommate and her roommate said, yeah, it's a good idea. Showed up on her doorstep at 10 a.m. on a Saturday morning, and and we just took it from there. You know, it was perfect. Um, we we went on a date that we went to breakfast, and that whole weekend we spent to, with each other. She came down to Florida. It was an amazing weekend. Uh, she met my family um, pretty soon after. I met her family, and you know we've been we've been dating ever since long distance. But it was that that initial confidence that I just I knew who I was and, uh, and, and I never questioned it. And she knew, you know, on her side, on the, on the feminine side, she, she knows who she is. So that made things very easy and and it helped things progress. Um, and I'm very, very grateful for that. But, you know, going back and rewinding a lot to this, this, uh, idea of that, like that wild, just 
she was to me this like wild mystery and it wasn't you know i was like the control metaphor here might not be so great but it was almost that you know i i wanted to pursue her and i wanted to uh i, I wanted her to be to be my girlfriend and that journey was incredible and at the end of that you know that that just built a new level of confidence in me uh that had not existed before and you know it's this different thing now it's a woman instead of the sea um instead of instead of fishing but it was it was a test of my masculinity to kind of pursue and and conquer her her desires and to win her over what do you think you know i know there's a lot of intimate relationships for something we all we all desire you know, we all crave as human beings. What, and I think that in a world now where masculinity is under attack, masculinity is misunderstood and it's poorly, you know, represented by the mass majority of influencers and, you know, or whatever you want to call it. What do you think are the important traits of a masculine of a, of a masculine person in or in a relationship? So, you know, I I think a lot of people have this idea that uh, masculinity is like this. Uh, controlling or you know kind of determining like this is what's going to happen and the woman just listens that's the toxic masculinity which is is very far from it uh in my experience in my relationship what Ailish appreciates most about me is not that I am you know deciding what to do because I don't it's it's more just that I know what I want to do and she knows what she wants to do but I'm but I'm not afraid to say it and I'm not afraid to say, like, this is what I believe. And it's, so it's it's this idea that, again, confidence, you know, the confidence is this key level. But this type of confidence is just the ability. It's it's not a confidence in myself that, oh, I can do things. It's a confidence that I know what I want. I know what I want in life. Um, and that that's really important for a man to just to be sure that uh what he is doing is what he wants. None of this kind of wishy-washy, oh, I don't really know what's going on. I don't know where I want to go with my life. You don't need to have every next step figured out, but you better well know what you believe. You know, you better well know where where you stand on things and, and you better have a system of approaching problems and, and obstacles and, and things you haven't encountered before and be able to work through those in a confident and kind of logical way. Yeah, no, I mean, what I love about that, first off, for those that are scared to jump into uncertain situations to challenge themselves, you going to Alaska not only gave you this this path of, of fishing and this path of adventure, it also segued into like finding a relationship. You live life on your terms and, and it just seems like the domino effect of God looking out for you and, and giving you blessings and opportunities opens up. So that's one thing that's like, I think it's a huge takeaway from your story. And the second part is, is when it comes to knowing exactly what you want, like that's very challenging. It, it's very difficult in our last podcast episode. We talked about that, but you're right in the self-discovery process, figuring out who you are and what you believe in, what your values are, what you believe your mission might be, the kind of people you want to surround yourself with. That is critical. Well, if you aren't proactively doing that, you're, you're going to have other people choose it for you. And it's important to note too, that, you know, I, I say these things like, Oh, you, you better well know who you are. Everybody's at, at a, at a stage, you know, we're all, we're all on a measure there's a, there's a scale of, of what you know. And so there's so many different things of, of what to know about yourself and how to know, like what you believe in, but it's, it's almost more important. You don't need to necessarily know, like, 
exactly where you stand on everything, but that kind of how is this saying how to arrive at this logical process to know where you stand on things. And it's almost, you need to be dedicated and striving all of your life to be learning what you want and to be dedicated, not just saying like, you know, a lot of people just don't know what they want, but they don't put in the time to figure it out. Simply putting in the time to figure it out and, and striving and, and learning, you know, lifelong learning of who you are and what you want to be and where you want. And then if one year from now things change for me, well, at least one year prior, I knew what I was doing. You know, I, I kind of have this analogy where it's so much better to be just going in a straight line to nowhere than to just be walking in a circle to nowhere, because at least the scenery around me is changing. You know, at least I'm, I'm experiencing new things and I'm getting out of that comfort zone. Whereas if I'm just walking in a circle, I'm not progressing. I'm, I don't I don't come to terms with different things. I just see the same things and do the same things. When it comes to masculinity, did you ever have like, what do you think is the best example in your life? Uh, my father, my grandfather, and then uh, my skipper. Um, all three of them actually have been very similar uh, in certain ways, very uh, intellectual uh, men and very um, kind of have this can-do attitude. None of them are afraid to take on huge risks. My father started his own business. Um, my grandfather actually was in Japan during World War II. Um, my skipper, crazy, you know, absolutely crazy life, was a career commercial fisherman. Um, he went to Mexican prison three times. Uh, <laughs> n not committing a crime, he was actually part of like a government staged uh, like economic offensive to try and steal uh, Mexican resources. So they were paid by the U.S. Navy. Really interesting story. But anyways, you know, these these are men who just had this can-do attitude and were super intellectual, super rational, um, but also really caring and, you know, really did uh, take the time to form bonds with people and take the time to to be generous and to be selfless and to share. That's that's the most uh, thing that obviously impacted me the most because they were my mentors, but to share what they knew with me, you know, and my, my grandfather and my father are still doing that. Unfortunately, my skipper just passed away, but just uh, to think of the the knowledge that he shared with me, I'm so blessed and I'm so grateful to God for that. But to think of the knowledge that he wasn't able to pass on, it, it almost makes me sad in a way because he he truly was um, willing and willing to give all that he had. Just he was just kind of constrained by time. Mm -hmm. In uh, in terms of the uncertainty, the this journey that you've gone through, you know, a lot of it you were alone. And then, you know, now it's a lot different. You've created these bonds. But um, in the darkest hours, like, what was your spiritual life like? Spiritual life has been uh, up and down. Um, you know, that's that's a given, I think. And, and to, to think otherwise, either you're very blessed and you have a lot of grace or you are thinking about things unrealistically. But um, my goal is to get that level, you know, to kind of level that spiritual life to a point where I, I don't feel like it's up and down. But what I have found is when my life is the most balanced and the most calm and the most steady, uh, my spiritual life is the greatest. And I believe that's a cause of the spiritual life and not a cause of my life being in balance. What I mean by that is my spiritual life gives balance to my life, not that the balance in my life produces a good spiritual life in me. And doing these kind of you know, wild things going to Alaska and, 
and just kind of pursuing my my girlfriend uh those are things that helped me to see the beauty in the world and those are things in which i you know would look up at the stars at night when i was on my boat and look up at the world around me and the huge mountains and smell smell the salt in in the air and hear the waves crashing and just say i i remember so often i would be out on my skiff and just open my arms out wide to the earth and just say scream out loud just i i am your son you made me and this is this is the most beautiful experience that you could have given me and i'm not talking about that particular experience but i'm talking about the experience of life um and you know those moments help me to appreciate god you know being being with my girlfriend and some of the you know the tender the intimate conversations that we've had just realizing the the beauty of humanity those were products of these journeys that i decided to go on but the those experiences kind of by going on those journeys it allowed me to see god in in the deeper and the deeper and the deeper and that has formed my faith life in such a great way it's beautiful um my last question for you today jp is if you had to leave one lesson with you let's say this is you have an hour left to live and everything everyone knows about you any social media posts are deleted any pictures are deleted the memory of you is deleted from everyone's minds. What would be your one message to the world? Well, um, so, <laughs> you know, this, it's in this social media age. I've had this as my uh, bio on Instagram, but it's been my bio since I was 11 years old, I think, or whenever I had an Instagram, 12. Man, maybe. you were young when Instagram <laughs> I was. But, uh, you know, and it, was a, it was a quote that I read that, that struck me very deeply and it's by Marcus Aurelius he's, he's the philosopher king um, of the Roman Empire and it's it goes like this it is not death that a man should fear but he should fear never beginning to live and I've tried to live my life by that maxim and I, I believe everybody everybody should um, every man should that do not let fear control your life do not let uncertainty you know uncertainty can be linked with fear do not let that uh, control your life you if that is what's controlling your life then your life is forfeit at the beginning. You are you already forfeit your life. And the longer that you are letting those factors control you, the more you're just letting your life waste away. You've made me want to just jump out on my skin <laughs> and attack the next project. Uh, for those that you know want to get to know you a little bit better, do you have any contact information, Instagram, whatever it might be that you um, want to put on here? Yeah, you know, if if people are if people are interested in contacting me, a uh, big thing is I'm I'm always up for. Uh, I love helping guys to get out there and fish. Uh, I think it's a great experience. Girls too. Hey, for all the ladies out there listening. Um, Girls definitely uh, are out there in Alaska fishing. So if that's something that you're interested in, guys or girls, um, feel free to contact Sammy or uh, my Instagram is JP Klusik, uh, just JP Klusik. And that my email is JP uh, at gmail.com. And so if you guys just, just drop me a line um, and I'll, I'll get back to you. Was that but, a fishing pun? Drop a line? <laughs> no, no. I work with Nets exclusively, so no, it was not. <laughs> I'm going to make sure that we put your information in the show notes so you can find uh, uh, JP's information in the show notes. John Paul, it was a pleasure having you on the show today, my brother. And, Love being uh, out here, Sammy. Thank you. Yeah, my pleasure. Uh, Level Up Nation, I, I hope you guys enjoyed today's conversation. Please, if you found any value in this, like, share, subscribe. And leave a review. That's how we get this message to more individuals. That's how the iTunes algorithm works. Um, that's all I ask. That's all I ask in return. Um, 
I hope you guys have had a beautiful day. Hope you guys are going to have, or if you're listening to this in the morning, I hope you have a beautiful day. Uh, stay great, level up, and remember that you can design a life worth living.